Today we're going to conclude the Forged Message series, and uh, I'm going to share on the topic of patience. Uh, patience is, some of you started laughing. <laughs> like, that was not a joke. I'm really doing that. <laughs> patience. Um, you know, I, I really believe that some of the greatest messages that are ever preached are the ones that are being personally lived. And with this Forged Message series, I think you've gotten five messages that are being personally lived and personally developed. Um, so, so today I'm going to communicate on this topic of patience. And what's funny is, is each location had the exact same response when I said, I'm going to talk about patience. Some of you said, thank God, I am not patient. Some of you elbowed the person beside you said, I knew you were supposed to be here today. You know, that whole thing. And uh, I, I believe that you're going to get ministered to today. Um, I believe there's a second group of people that would say something kind of like this, that uh, I am patient. It's my personality type. Uh, Myers-Briggs says it, so it's got to be true. I'm a patient person. Um, I, I would argue that by default, no one is patient. I would argue that by default, you're passive, and passive can be turned into or developed into patience. And some of you are like, oh, that's not nice. Um, <laughs> I do believe this, that patience is developed, but passivity is inherited. Uh, and sometimes it's just, it, passivity might be your personality type. Uh, it's, just, it's just displayed uh, in patience. And then there's the third group of people that are saying, oh, we're t I wanted to talk about something deep. I wanted to talk about something. You've got a pride issue, and we're going to deal with that too. <laughs> we're going to deal with that too. Uh, my, my job as, as a communicator is to create tension in the first few moments of a message, and I believe that I've successfully done that. So uh, we're just gonna get into this. Before we, before we do, I wanna pray. I wanna invite the presence of God into this room with us. Father, I thank you. God, I thank you for the opportunity to share Jesus, to share a message that, that you've spoken and you're working in me. So Lord, I pray that you would take, God, that you would take this remarkably simple message and this simple messenger and God, that you would speak to each and every single one of us, God, that it'd be something that lands on our hearts that's, that's not just something that does an external work, but God, it's something that does a deep work in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. So now that we've addressed that all of us are in this category or this topic of patience, here's what today's going to look like. We're going to share about three different areas where patience is displayed. And what, what's funny is patience is displayed on like numerous levels. Like there's some things that takes just a little bit of patience, and then there are some things that take a remarkable amount of patience. It's the things that are like the slight nuisances that you have to just deal with because they're there. Uh, it's the routines. Some people, how many of you are routine people? Like you love routine, you need routine. Like if there is no routine, it's messed up. There's a whole bunch of you in here saying, and then can I just find out how many of you are my non-routine people? Like you, you love change. You love things being changed around and messed up. Um, I would probably, I messed up. <laughs> I heard a pastor once say, uh, chaos is, is an atmosphere for inspiration when he's just somebody that doesn't like routine. But, um, but if you're a non-routine type of person, it might take patience to be active in your life just to go through routine. You see, it's like everyday type of living, everyday type of life. Patience might have to be displayed in deeper levels, through suffering, through, through forbearance, through going through difficult situations. Here's the definition 
of patience. It's enduring discomfort without complaint. Without complaint. Like, without complaint is the kicker. That's the part, because all of us are going to have to endure discomfort. Uh, We've never attempted to be a church, and I don't believe the Bible ever has communicated that when you get saved or you give your life to Jesus or you have that moment with God where you raise your hand that you're going to be uh, eliminated from the prospect of being uncomfortable. We're all going to have to endure discomfort, but patience is enduring that discomfort without complaint. So, uh, as I began to develop this message and start to put things on paper, I just was writing down on, I filled a piece of paper, a couple of pieces of paper, then I went to my whiteboard in my office and started writing all these things down. I said, this is a big topic because it seems like patience is, is directed in a lot of different areas. So to simplify things, we're going to go through three areas where patience is direct. And I think it's probably the big three for us. Uh, again, this is a, a much bigger list. So what we're going to do, we're going to talk about it. And then at the end of every single point, I'm going to give you a question that's going to make you think. That's going to give you an opportunity to say, God, is there an area in my life that, that needs to open up so that there can be some growing in this area? The first area that you have to direct your patience is to humans. Would you guys agree? People, like, like people test patience in an unbelievable way. And uh, like people are incredible, but sometimes people are frustrating. Would you agree? No. Okay, cool. That's cool. You're like, you're talking to me. I am a person, but like I know that because I personally test people's patience as well, and people personally test. My pastor said, yeah, when I said that, I'm testing patience. But, but it's this human-directed patience, and, and it comes out in every way, shape, and form through traffic. Traffic tests patience in an unbelievable way. I've got a friend that I, I ride around with frequently, and he drives below the speed limit. Like, that's sin, like for real. And he says things like this. He says, Micah, it's not about where you're going. It's about the journey to get there. I said, Pastor Mike, stop it. <laughs> like, like, are you serious? <laughs> Traffic. It tests your patience. You might be in a spot where coworkers test your patience. Another thing that tests your patience is a child maturing, growing again. It's the truth. The real reason that I believe these things test our patience is what today modern day philosophers are are referring to as the egocentric predicament. And, And trying not to get too big, but it's basically saying this, that the reason our patience is tested in such a great way with certain people is because they are struggling or suffering in areas that we simply are not. Why do I get mad at traffic? Because I'm trying to go further and faster than them. It's really about me. A child maturing. Why do I get frustrated? Because I'm already potty trained. That, that, that's the truth. Now you can take that and you can apply that to any area of your life. But then the Bible starts to speak about these slight nuisances or these people that you're going to have to direct your patience to it. It says it really clearly. It says that these kind of people are just going to be around you. What's funny is those people to you that are frustrating, you're that person to other people. First Thessalonians says this, and you're going to have to bear with me. Last week was the first week I ever preached in contacts. 
And some of you are like, dude, this guy looks weird. I know. But it's funny. My, my right eye got dry, and it was the first time I experienced a dry eye, and I didn't know what to do because I was reading on the back screen, and I just started, like, winking. And people were like, what? He's about to cry. No, I didn't know what to do with this eye, so I'm going to attempt to read on a back wall. But it says this. In First Thessalonians, it says, And we urge you. Like, we're begging you, we're pleading with you, brothers. Admonish the idol. It says, encourage the faint heart. It says, there's going to be idle people around you. It says, reprimand them. That's what the word means. Rebuke those people. Encourage the faint hearted. means that there's going to be people that are, are hurting, that are going through things. It says that your responsibility is to encourage those people. It says, help the weak. That means come alongside someone, maybe someone that's not quite as strong as you, and this is speaking much bigger than physical limitations. Help the weak. And then it says this, be patient with them all. With every single person, be patient. I believe it gives us a, a framework of how we can direct our patience towards people. And you know what? Sometimes we need to just encourage somebody. Sometimes we need to help somebody out. Maybe those areas that we're already further along, that our patience is being tested instead of being critical and, and pushing down, maybe we need to step with them and help them up. Sometimes you just got to provide grace to those people. I've heard it said like this, though, and I think this is memorable for you, but what you refuse to train and correct, you're allowing to exist. And you have a responsibility because, uh, spoiler alert, patience isn't something that you can make happen on your own. You can do it in a physical term, but you cannot do it with spiritual results apart from the Holy Spirit. So patience has to be developed through the person and the image of the Holy Spirit, which means you've got to hear. And that means sometimes you've got to hear from God and you do have to bring a reprimand or a rebuke or, or an admonish. But sometimes you need to provide grace. Sometimes you need to help out with people. Patience is actually very, very active. So here's the question. Am I providing grace, training, and correction to help this person grow? Everybody close your eyes on me for just a moment, even if you're on the screen watching on Facebook. Close your eyes. No one's looking unless you're driving. Picture that one person that one group of people that you are struggling with being patient towards and say, God, how can I provide grace or training or correction, God, to help this person or people group grow? Now you can open your eyes. You have a responsibility when the Spirit of God speaks to you to respond to the voice of the Lord. We've complicated this, I believe, a little too much that we, we don't even provide room for God to speak. But God, it's funny, as people communicate every weekend, it's those thoughts that say, oh, this thing, this thing, that thing. I believe that to be the Holy Spirit, which means that's your responsibility now to deal with it. Um, recently, I, I have taken on a new hobby. Uh, and that, that might sound weird to you. Actually, the first time I didn't set this story up correctly, which is why I'm setting it up, because the first time I said this, I've recently taken up smoking. And people were like, huh. I was talking about grilling and like, like using a grill and that kind of stuff. And actually, a very similar response to you. He was like, 
that's weird that you would share that right here. But um, I have, I've taken this up and uh, to do this correctly, I have asked my neighbor who knows everything and knows how to do everything and has everything um, how to do this uh, correctly. His name is Mr. Bill, and he's an incredible person. And uh, I was talking to him, and after he gave me the tips, and I got everything ready to go, uh, as I was leaving his house and going to my house, he said, Micah, he said, this is what he said, he said, trust the process. He said, resist the urge to open the grill. And I was like, what do you mean? And then if you've ever grilled or done anything like it, he says, don't open it. He says, because when you open that grill, this grill that's been sustaining heat and growing heat and getting this thing to a perfect temperature so that this meat uh, begins to, at certain temperatures, begins to break down and this hard meat and cartilage and different things begins to open up and that's when it becomes the most tender. He says, if you open that grill up, it's going to remove the heat and this thing is going to begin to do like that. I think without the help of the Holy Spirit and we just force our own opinion without instruction from the Holy Spirit, oftentimes we're opening the grill on people's lives and we're playing God when actually the Holy Spirit was getting us in a position where we could help somebody through training, through admonishing, through just giving them grace and letting it sit. We are not God's cop. We are God's ambassador to show people love. And oftentimes it's people that are close to us that we have the opportunity to admonish in love. What happens when someone just begins to speak uh, to you that you don't really know, that begins to admonish you and say, change that, don't do that, get away, don't do that. You turn them off because they're just harsh and they're critical. But when people have displayed love, are in relationship with you, it gives an opportunity to receive admonishment and then to give admonishment as well. I would encourage you in this, when it comes to humans, don't open the grill too quick. Don't do it. Number two, where do we have to apply or direct patience is to ourself. Ourself. Self-directed patience. About a month ago, we had Dr. Andy Yarbrough come in here and he, he shared on us, on us as people, and he introduced this, this thought that we are all bio-psycho-spiritual um, socio-people. Like that's who we are. We're these different pieces of ourselves. And oftentimes those are the areas that need some of the greatest patience in our life. The difficulty is that we live in a quick-fix society where we're infatuated with quick results and quick fixes. So what that looks like is if we're not satisfied with our bio side of ourselves, which is just our physical appearance, if we can't get quick results, oftentimes we just stop working towards results at all. That's why things like the ab belt is so popular because it says that you can buy it on QVC for $29.99 and you can strap an electric belt to yourself and not do anything and watch your stomach go And if that doesn't work, we don't, <laughs> we don't do the work oftentimes to actually get results. Patience is displayed in a story in Luke chapter 8. It's in one of the Gospels, and it's through the parable of the soils. And what's happened is there's been seed that's been thrown out by a, by a farmer, and this seed lands on some good soil, lands on some bad soil, and a lot of the seed goes away, but at the very end of the story, it says this, it speaks about the good soil, and it says, as for that in the good soil, 
They are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and they bear fruit with patience. Sometimes we have to just be patient in order to see fruit in our own life. Patience is not an excuse for laziness. Actually, when patience is displayed right there in Luke chapter 8, it's, it's an action-filled word. It says that there's things that we're supposed to be actively doing to grow in this area in our life or these areas of our life. So I adopted this thought that we are bio, socio, psycho, and spiritual beings. So I say, you know what? I'm going to change some things about myself. I'm going to work on losing a little bit of weight. So you know what that means? Oh, running in this terrible heat. Like, it's ridiculous, but you do it. You don't, you, you don't buy the ab belt. That's just one of those things I said, man, I'm going to do it. I wasn't satisfied with the socio side of myself. What's funny is I'm a very public person, but I was realizing that I'm, I'm lacking some relationships. So resourcing myself and saying, God, how can I grow in this area he began to say, you know, invest in people that can speak into your life. Uh, invest into your relationships, your friends, your peers. Like, be around them. Hang around them. Just spend time with them and then begin to pour your life into other people. That's how I'm going to grow in my socio area of my life. But all of this is going to take time. We want deep friendships that we can do life with, right? That's a, that's a cool word. We do life, but we're not willing to be patient enough to let friendships begin to blossom. And we get dissatisfied when we don't have close friends, when close friends takes time, takes energy, takes effort. It takes going to a small group or a summer intensive, and then instead of just, just getting out real quick, like hanging around, even in that awkward moment, I, I said something similar uh, Weeks ago at a, at a service on, on Sunday morning, I said, hey, if you're one of those people that you just don't really know people or maybe you're a bit introverted, but you're wanting friendships or relationships, when you're in the lobby, just go up to somebody that looks cool and say, you want to be my friend? And, and, you know, we all laughed. It was like, ha, ha, ha. And I walked in the lobby and I saw this couple standing in the corner go up to a couple and said, do you want to be our friends? And I said, no way. You did it. You did it. You know, I was talking to them recently and they've gone to dinner with them three separate times in the last two months. And they become some of their closest friends all because they got out of their comfort zone and said, man, I'm going to go for it. If there's an area in your life where you're not sad, the spiritual side, if you're saying, man, there's room for me to grow. I need to grow. Man, there's more for me, God. Then put yourselves in environments where God can do more through you. Serve on a Sunday morning. Jump in. Man, go to a, a missions trip. We've got a Palmer Home missions trip coming up. I think the deadline's Wednesday to sign up. If you're saying, God, do more for me, say, God, what can you do through me? Invest in yourself. Invest in those areas in your life. But be patient and let God grow you. Here's your question. What am I intentionally doing to exercise active patience in my life? Those areas of who you are, what are you doing intentionally to actually grow? This isn't your normal Sunday service, I know, because some of us are like, I just want to hear what you got to say. <laughs> make me feel good. Don't make me do something. That's one of our issues in Christianity and maybe even the global churches. We become satisfied with receiving, receiving, receiving when we're called to do, to go out, and to be something. The third area 
And actually the final area, some of you are like, this is fantastic. He's already almost done. Third one's always the longest. Okay. The third point that you got to direct your patience to is God. God directed patience. In every Christian's life, there comes a time that you must wait on God. You can't get around it. Every single one of us, every single one of you in this room, every single person watching online, there is going to come a time in your life and you might be right in the middle of it right now where you have to wait on God. I will say this, you don't have to be fearful of an unknown future though when you have a known God. Because I I know what it's like. And and what's ridiculous is I, I believe it's a ploy of the enemy. I believe it's manufactured in our own minds, but it starts at a very early age. It's what's going to happen next. And when we don't have the answer, what am I supposed to do? What am I going to do with my life? How am I supposed to live out this thing, this inside of me? I'm called to do this thing as a Christian. So we begin to wonder, we begin to think, what, what am I supposed to do? And if we're not careful, we begin to make things happen on our own when they were supposed to be ordained by God, not by man. So we get stuck in these these waiting seasons. You need to know this, that waiting seasons are never wasted seasons. Never. They can't be. How do I know that? Because the last 24 months of my life, I've been in a waiting season. I've been saying, God, I don't know what to do. Deeply personal. I'm saying, God, what am I supposed to do? And this is what I'm learning in waiting seasons. What God does is he stretches you. He grows you. He conditions you. And you better believe he speaks to you. If we avoid waiting seasons and we try to make things happen on our own, then we miss the very plan that God has for our lives. So instead of trying to avoid the waiting seasons, say, God, what are you growing in me during this waiting season? I pray these prayers. God, do this, do that now or this time or maybe this time. And I'd say these things to God because I knew what was supposed to happen. And they wouldn't take place. There's an old country song. Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Wiggins answered that way better. (laughs) Shout out, Wiggins. (laughs) It's true, though. What would happen if God actually answered every one of your prayers? It'd be dangerous. It'd It'd be terribly dangerous. Why do we pray prayers and get frustrated when God doesn't answer them? Because we're putting our ways above his when the Bible says that his ways are higher than ours. The promise in the scripture, it says this in Isaiah. It's Isaiah chapter 40 says, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. It says that they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and they shall not faint. Why does the Bible, why does the prophet in the Old Testament pick an eagle 
is because eagles have this uncanny characteristic that in the midst of the storm, their wings get them above the storm and they see the storm from a totally different perspective. The promise to a Christian is even if you're in a waiting season, even if you're struggling, even if you're suffering, even if you don't know what's taking place, that the God of the universe who created and handcrafted you will give you wings like eagles so that you can rise above the issue. You can rise above the suffering and you can say, God, I don't know how, but I still trust you. I still trust you. And if we can ever get to that spot as a Christian where we actually trust our God instead of giving lip service, that's when miracles take place. And miracles take place in totally different ways than what you would assume because his ways are way bigger than ours. How is it that once you get out of the issue, you say, God, thank God, thank you that you didn't answer that prayer. That we're at the end and we say, I dodged a bullet. That's, that's what wings like eagles, that's what the prophet was saying to people and saying to you today is, hey, even if you don't understand, get out of yourself. You see, our God lives in a, not in a time lapse. He's outside of it. And he says, I see where they're at now and I see where I created them to be. And this is going to help them get there, even though it might be difficult. Some of your stories in this room, some of the strongest marriages I know in this room have come through personal hardship and personal struggle, through the fight. Most of us aren't willing to embrace the struggle and allow God to grow us. So we do this quick fix and we run from the issue when actually the issue is something that can grow us. The most patient person in all of humanity, in the entirety of the world, is God himself. You see, God had this master plan, this, this perfect plan. And it was that humans, that you, me, the people that we are so frustrated with oftentimes, that humans would be with God and they would have this perfect relationship. It was in Eden, it says that man walked with God, talked with God in a real way. Sin came into this world through a series of events and separated man from God. This is where God created us to be, where he wanted us to be. Now the Bible shows us, and God knows that one day, one day it's gonna be better. One day that opportunity is gonna be here again, which is the day that we celebrate, that we live for, is eternity with him. But we are living in a time of patience, a time of grace where we're not where God wants us to be, close to him, like in walking, talking relationship with him, but he's exercising patience with us in the midst of this. And the reason I know that's because Second Peter tells us it. He says the Lord is slow to fulfill his promise. His promise is eternity with him. This is his promise. It says he's slow to fulfill it. Why is he slow to fulfill it? Some count slowness, but he's patient towards you. Why is he patient towards you? Because he's not wishing that any person would perish, but that each would reach repentance. This is where he created us to be. This is the promise for where we'll be. But in the midst of it, God watches, God sees, and he's saying, I love you, I'm patient towards you. This isn't just a call for us to be patient towards people or patient towards ourselves or even just patient with God. 
This is a message that I believe acknowledges the character of God that says, be patient like I'm patient. And then don't get frustrated with people when they're in one of those seasons of disconnect, of hurt or suffering, but instead of criticizing and running from, run to and create and bring life to them. Would you guys bow your heads with me for just a moment? Now, I know we've talked about patience and we've laughed and we've talked and we've enjoyed our time together, but I believe this, that there's people in this room that when we read 2 Peter chapter 3, we realized that that, but God is being patient towards you, actually applied directly to you in this seat. You see, the Bible eliminates the thought that you've got to do something to, to gain something. It, it eliminates the thought that says, I've got to be good before God will ever accept me. You see, God already knows that mankind is separated from him. He knew that you would be here outside of the spectrum of time. He knew that you'd be sitting in this spot hearing this message, feeling these moments together. And I'm just going to ask you to do this is to maybe answer this question. Is there something in my life that I'm trying to control that really should be in God's hands and timing? Is there something that, that I'm trying to, even in through good effort and good deed, I'm trying to manipulate the outcome when this is actually in God's hands? And I just want you to give that to God. Just say, God, I trust you with and fill in the blank. God, this is yours. This was never mine to begin with. So God, I'll be a vessel for you to see that thing to fruition, but God, I cannot control the outcome. So God, I give this thing to you. And I would submit to you that I believe the greatest thing that you could be saying in this moment is your life. If you're in this room and you're separated from God, you don't have a relationship with him. You might know about him, but you do not know God. You don't have that authentic relationship. Today's your day. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to just ask God, do I have a relationship with you? And as soon as God answers, I want you to make the decision today to say, today I'm giving you my life. Today I'm doing this. So what we're going to do is I'm giving room for the Holy Spirit to speak to you. But if you're in this room and you say, Pastor, you are speaking to me. I know it. Today's the day that I'm giving my life to Jesus. I just want you to slip your hand up and you can put it down. I want to lead you in a prayer. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. People, thank you so much. Thank you so much. People all over the room saying, yes, that's me. Well, if this is your moment, thank you so much. This is your moment. We're, be, we're being patient. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. People all over the room. Being patient to allow the Holy Spirit to speak. Thank you. Thank you. This is your moment. God, I thank you that you loved us so much that even in our weakness, even in our frailty, you gave your very best for us. And God, although we have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard, you said we were worth it. So you sent your son to this earth to live a perfect life, to die a criminal's death 
in our place. So God, I pray over every single person, and I pray with every single person that's risen their hand, but God, they've exposed their heart to you, Lord, that you would answer their prayer. It's the prayer of salvation. So what I wanna do in this moment is I just wanna pray a prayer, and if you raise your hand, but even if you're online watching or you say, man, I wanted to raise my hand, if you agree with this prayer, God will answer it. God in heaven, I'm separated from you, and I know it. You've revealed it to me. And God, right now, at this moment, I'm giving you my life. I repent of my sin. God, I turn away from my sin and I turn towards you. I believe that you died on the cross. You paid the price, the debt that I couldn't pay. So right now, I receive a relationship with you. I thank you for saving me and being the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, would you give it up for those that made decisions? If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God, and we'd love to help you with your next few steps. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. If you're in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our live services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and directions. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv give, or you can text the amount you'd like to give to 228-215-3421. Again, that's 228-215-3421. Standard data rates and text charges may apply. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time.